I believe that in beginning to talk about this last part of Hebrews 11, there almost needs to be something written over this sermon, kind of like what's written uh, over a movie before you start the movie. And here it is. Warning. The following sermon is rated PG-13 for violence. Sawed in two. I remember as a new believer in Jesus reading those words for the first time and I went right back to them again and I said to myself, did I read what I thought I just read? Sawed in two. I'm going to tell you something. I cannot get my head around sawed in two. Some guy, and obviously there were many of them and women too, some guy refused to not proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some guy refused to give up honoring God so that I could receive the gospel and put my faith in Jesus and his finished work on the cross and be forgiven of my sins, get a whole new life in 1982 because he was sawed in two. Who were these amazing people in Hebrews chapter 11? says they were people that lived by faith. They were people that walked with Jesus. They were people that saw that it was worth it. They were people who saw the unseen and lived for something greater than this world, but were faithful to Jesus. And for the last 10 weeks, we have looked at the nature of faith. And we've come in and out of this chapter, Hebrews chapter 11, and we close today with an angle of encouragement about faith. And here it is. It's very simple. By faith, a messed up person can become an amazing person. The writer of Hebrews closes this chapter not only talking about faith, but, but a kind of transformation that leads to faith, that leads to trusting God and doing the will of God. By faith, a messed up person can become an amazing person. The first is this notion of the messed up people in Hebrews chapter 11 and in this sanctuary right here, right now, today. Now, Hebrews chapter 11 is known as the Hall of Faith. I mean, these are the biggies, right? Noah saved humanity, God through Noah, by building a boat all those years and proclaiming the gospel. It was, a, it was Abraham that by faith believed that God was who he was, said he was and believed the promises of God and a nation was founded. And by faith, Moses rescued that same nation hundreds of years later from the hands of Pharaoh. So, I mean, we read these and, and we've looked at these particular people in this series on faith. But I want to tell you, you get down to where we are and the, and the list is much longer than that. It starts with Abel. You can, in Abel, then Enoch, you know, you can go through the, the list. But you get down to the verses where we are, and we see there are big names and there are small names and people that we have no clue right now who these folks are. 
People who trusted God. Hebrews 11 is saying, walk with Jesus, trust God. This is what, this is what it looks like. But I'm going to tell you something about Hebrews 11 that maybe is not spoken about as much as it should be, that the hall of faith really is also a hall of shame, that these people are messed up. These people are sinners, big-time sinners in Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, just Noah, for example, in Genesis 9, 20. Uh, Noah, I read this just very quickly, a man of the soil proceeded to plant a vineyard, and when he drank some of its wine, he became drunk, and he lay uncovered outside his tent. So Noah got drunk and was naked outside his tent, and then that led to an incident with his three sons and a, a cursing of one of them. And this is messy, this is ugly. And, that, that, and drunkenness is a sin. Abraham, these are just some of the people we've dealt with in this series. Abraham... Not, didn't lie once about his wife being his sister, lied twice on purpose. Moses, the great deliverer, anybody remember what he did? He only killed with his bare hands an Egyptian and buried him in a shallow grave to get rid of the evidence. He's a murderer. And today we get to others who are remembered here Verses, if you'll look at the text, verses 31 and 32, by faith, and I want to go back to 31, by faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. In verse 32, where Wilson began in the reading, and what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. There are some more names. Okay, right out of these, these names. Rahab the prostitute. Who lies? Okay, if I'm listing the all-time people of faith that you want to be just like, I'm just not sure I'm going to reach there and put that up. But God has other purposes than just to show faith. He's showing faith, but he has other purposes here. Okay, Samson. Samson, I know I'm not reaching down in the bag and pulling out Samson. Samson recklessly dated a non-Christian and married her and, and cashed in his strength and was deceived, and his life just went up in smoke. Jephthah? No, really, Jephthah? We're going to put Jephthah in the Hall of Faith? Some of you don't know from Judges 11, maybe don't remember or have not encountered the story of, of Jephthah, but, but he's the guy, after an incredible military victory, he's the guy who said, whatever, just this rash vow, whatever comes first through my door, I will sacrifice. And his, little, his daughter walked through the door and he killed her. David? Now we're kind of getting somewhere. We know David wrote the Psalms. We, we know David was a great king. David, you know, subdued the Philistines, founded the capital, etc. Yeah, David had an adulterous affair with somebody else's wife. Her name was Bathsheba. And then he killed her husband, Uriah. So that's adultery and murder and that is right here 
in Hebrews chapter 11. Let me tell you, folks, these people are not in the hall of faith because they are perfect. No, they are there because they trusted God. And what we learn just starting out is that God's greatest faith-oriented people who trusted Him and God did great things were messed up, like me and like you. I recently had a question that was asked to me uh, from somebody who was, who was reading some books that question the, uh, the Christian faith, and we were emailing back and forth, love to talk to people who are skeptic, love to talk to people who are questioning. Um, it, you, if, if that's where you are, I'd love to talk to you. You'll find uh, gentleness, you'll find patience, and let's come let us reason together. But... Um, this particular person had read Richard Dawkins' uh, book, The God Delusion, The Famous Atheist, who, by the way, uses Jephthah as a reason that believing in Yahweh God is ridiculous. And let me tell you something, Richard Dawkins' um, interpretation of Judges chapter 11 is extremely, glaringly irresponsible. But, um, you know, my, my friend, you know, so why is Jephthah commended? Why is Jephthah, and I don't, know if, I don't know if we can worship a God who lifts up Jephthah, who makes this rash vow, kills his own daughter. And I'm, I'm going to read to you, I wouldn't read the email that came to me, but I think I can read a, a little bit of the email I wrote back. This is just kind of in real time, not too long ago. Email, this is me emailing. One of the things I treasure about the Bible is how messed up the people are, but Jesus and Enoch, Enoch walked with God and was no more. That's all we know about him. Um, and God still loved these messed up people. And it makes me realize that God is willing to work through things with me in the ways that I am messed up too. Amen? And then I just said, look, just real quick on Jephthah. So just a little thing on Jephthah. He is an example of what not to be. In Judges chapter 11, yes, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Yes, he vanquished the enemies. Yes, that's, and that is exactly where the good stuff ends. And yes, he acted like an idiot and violated the, the, the law of God by making a rash vow. And God certainly, I'm, I should be reading, I guess, um, he is an example of what not to do, specifically to make foolish vows, and certainly it was against the law of God to offer human sacrifice. Leviticus 18, Deuteronomy 12, God was not pleased with Jephthah, nor is he pleased with the illicit sinful actions which are recorded in the Bible, a book about real people and real sin and real redemption. In that part of Judges 11, about a rash vow and the killing of his daughter, the message is, don't be like Jephthah. The other interesting thing about Jephthah, as I write to this person, the others in the scriptures, like David, Moses, etc., is that even though they sinned grievously against God, God still forgave them when they turned to him. They were able to walk in forgiveness, trust in him, and do great things in his name. That's actually good news for me and for you. His love endures forever. John Calvin put it this way in his commentary on this passage. He said, quote, there, is, there was none of these, he's listing the, the, the Hebrews Hall of Faith, 
There was none of these whose faith did not falter. In every saint, in every believer, in every saint, there is always to be found something reprehensible. I had somebody leave the first service saying, man, I really thought hard about what you preached from one reprehensible person to another. Thank you for preaching the gospel. It caused me to turn to God this morning, Joseph. In every one of us, there is something reprehensible. Now look, these people are not in Hebrews 11 because they are flawless. What we are being told is simply this. Guess this means that these folks are like you and me. See, we come to Hebrews chapter 11 and say, man, these are the bigs. These are the people that did incredible things we could never do. And, and there are definitely times and places for certain things that go on in the Bible, like parting Red Seas and that type of thing. But I'm going to tell you, that is not the way to come to Hebrews chapter 11. We need to come to Hebrews chapter 11 saying we are like those people. We are sinners. We are messed up. We also can trust in God. Simply put, you can be in your life, in God's way, through your life. Right, You can be that person. That's really important because there are some of you right now, you say, you know what, I, right now I'm far from God. God, God wouldn't want to... to God wouldn't want to love me anymore. God wouldn't want to use me. Oh, I've, I've done so much. There's just no way. I am damaged goods. No, you're not. Until you have had a, committed adultery with somebody else's wife and killed her husband, no, you have not. Other than blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which we don't need to unpack right now, which is the only unforgivable sin, the good news this morning is you can be that person. And we come to Hebrews 11 saying, look, they're just like we are. And God's grace is just as powerful now as it was then. And we can come to him and he will forgive us. These people are remembered by their faith. But they are remembered by their faith because they turn from God and the people who are forgotten are those who don't turn toward God, rather. The people who don't turn toward God are just forgotten on the ash heap of history. And that's the way it works. So by faith, um, we have messed up people. Remember the second part, a messed up person can become an amazing person. That's what we see here in Hebrews 11, amazing things going on here. Now, in this next section, which begins with verse 33, we've got very ordinary people empowered by the Holy Spirit. Up until verse 33, we've got all these names that we know. Now we're going to move into a section where there aren't any names. And it's just, it just almost soars with, the, with all the, the exploits of these unnamed people. And they're, they're grouped into two groups. The first are people who, through faith, got power to overcome things. And things changed because of that power that came through faith. Verse 33, look with me, please. Who, through faith, conquered kingdoms. The Lord, you know, trusting in the Lord, the Lord goes before the Lord by his power conquers. Who through faith conquers kingdoms, administered justice, in other words, wrenched injustice out of people's hands, established justice by force, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions. Can you think of anybody this might be talking about in the Bible? Maybe Daniel in the lion's den. Verse 34, quenched the fury of the flames. Can you think of anybody that might be Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? It doesn't say... 
in the fiery furnace and escaped the edge of the sword whose weakness was turned to strength. Oh God, I need you. You have to conquer. I don't have the power. I'm trusting you. And God filled, just responded to that faith and that humility by conquering armies, etc., lions, mouths, and all this, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. So by faith, there is power that comes to conquer, to change things. Second group's not like that at all. The second group are people who look to God in faith, and, and let me tell you what God gave them the power to do, to continue to be faithful under enormous pressure. And to honor Jesus, to honor the grace of God, and to, and to move through. Verse 35. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. You might recognize that story in the Gospels. Others were tortured. Listen to these words. And refused to be released. Meaning, just turn away from Jesus deny that Jesus is the Son of God and the Savior, and you can go home. We'll open the prison doors. We'll take you off the, the, um, the, the stake. You won't have to be burned. No, I refuse. Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Verse 36, some faced jeers and floggings while others were chained in prison. They were killed with rocks. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They, they wandered in deserts and mountains, in caves, and lived in holes in the ground. Wow! Wow, this is about persecution for the sake of Christ and martyrdom. Martyrdom simply means being killed for your faith in this particular section. And they refused to, to stop proclaiming the gospel. And that's one of the reasons the gospel has come to us in our generation. Because people said, no, I'd rather die than not say I believe in Jesus. I'd rather die than not perpetuate the gospel of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God. Now, i got to tell you, I just absolutely adore the fact that these people are not named in this part of Hebrews chapter 11. Now, we, you know, we kind of were maybe attaching some Bible names to some of the events, right? Like Daniel in the lion's den or Shadrach and Mephish. But... It's not, it's not saying that that was, that, that was the only person that, that came out of a, a flame. Uh, we don't know. We have no record of anybody being sawed in two other than right here. We have record of people being persecuted but sawn in two. And, and, and the idea here is that there, uh, there's so much more than we know. That we know the names and the stories, the actual events that occurred in the Bible. And there were lots of other people who refused to turn their back on God, who refused to be released that we don't even know about. I mean, it's, it's really kind of amazing. 
We don't have any idea who the guy, the people, the guy was who was sawed in two, for instance. I grew up uh, in Quincy, Florida, near Tallahassee. My parents live in Tallahassee now. But um, that's right below the Georgia line in Florida. And uh, so I was a Miami Dolphins fan growing up. But it is why I talk like I'm more from Georgia than Miami as well. And uh, the Miami Dolphins, you know, that's an in-state team for me. And in the early 70s, now you guys and a few of you ladies who are like into sports, I know there are some of you out there, which is cool, but uh, they just came out of nowhere. You know, they were kind of a joke, and they came out of nowhere, and they won, missed a Super Bowl, won a Super Bowl, and in 1972, they were the only team and still the only team who were undefeated in the regular season and won the Super Bowl. And... Um, there were great players like Bob Greasy was the quarterback and Larry Zonka was running back and Paul Warfield. I mean, I won't go through all these names. I know I'm boring some of the people that hate, you know, don't care about football or hate it. Um, but that's not why they won their championships. You know what they say about winning championships, don't you? That it's defense that wins championships. And they had a name for their defense where they came out of nowhere, and people from other countries have no clue what I'm talking about, <laughs> Quentin. <laughs> um, their name was, does anybody know what their name is? Hey, thank you. The no-name defense. The no-name defense. You know why? Because nobody knew who these people were. It's not like they you know, paid billions of dollars to stack their roster with all these stars. This is a bunch of unknowns who together just won everything. Well, I'm going to tell you something. This is the no-name Hall of Fame right here in these verses at the end. We have no clue who these people are, but they're just as faith-oriented as the ones named above. And, and the combination of all that they did, it just soars. You think, wow, how did they withstand all that pressure? How did they do that? It's really amazing. Let me tell you something. The fact that they aren't named is another way of the writer of Hebrews telling you and me they're just like you. They're ordinary people just like you. Ordinary sinners who turned to God and trusted Him. You know, we know the names in the Scriptures. Now we've got this whole no-name thing going on in Hebrews 11 and that's you know, the, the, the end of the, the Bible being written, that's not the end of great faith in Jesus and willingness to stand up for the gospel. Is all through church history. We have seen this gospel come down through time because of this faith that people have put in Jesus. You know, I think of the apostles, all of them but John were killed. And tradition talks about how they were killed, you know, whether they were crucified upside down or whatever the situation was. But just a, just a few little glimpses, just very quickly from church history. 155 A.D., Polycarp, Bishop Polycarp, before he was burned to death by the Romans, said this. They said, denounce Jesus and you can go free. Gracious offer. And this is what he said. Eighty and six years have I served him and he never did me any wrong. How then can I blaspheme my king? who has saved me, and he was burned to death at the stake. 167 A.D., Justin Martyr, called Justin Martyr because he was killed for the faith. Justin Martyr got the same offer, 
turn away from Jesus, you can go free. And he said simply this, no, you can kill us, but you can't harm us. You can kill the body, we're going to heaven. It's kind of the meaning of verse 35, that there was a a better resurrection. I've got something you don't know about. I'm looking forward, there's something beyond here that you have no part of, that I have part of. You You can kill us, but you can't harm us. Go ahead. And his head was chopped off. And then in the 1400s, John Huss, same offer, turn away from Jesus, just like in Hebrews 11, turn away from Jesus. Quote, I shall die with joy today in the faith of the gospel which I have preached. And he died as they burned him alive, singing the hymn, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Hugh Latimer and Nicholas Ridley burned at the stake together in 1555, tied back to back. Again, gracious offer. Turn away from this nonsense of Jesus alone and faith alone. And Latimer said to Ridley, be of good comfort, Mr. Ridley, and play the man. We shall this day, listen to these words, it's amazing. We shall this day light a candle by God's grace in England, as I trust shall never be put out. They were going to be the candle that was lit, burned alive for the glory of the gospel. This is really amazing stuff. The faith that's worth living for, is it still in 2011 worth dying for? Martyrdom is still with us today, of course. People who know about these things talk about the bloodiest century in American, in the history of humanity, 20th century. You just count up all the wars and the carnage, World War I, II, and everything else. Um, But basically what they tell us is that there were more martyrs for Jesus Christ in the 20th century than any other period of time, maybe even more than all the other centuries combined. Meaning that all over the place in countries there are, be, there are people being indiscriminately killed. Left and right. For being believers. Right now, while I am saying these words in real time. Right now, somebody is being persecuted in the Middle East. You can just count on it. Today, someone will die in the Middle East. More than one simply because they refuse to be, as Hebrews 11 says, released. They refuse to denounce Jesus Christ. They will be killed they will be per- or they will be persecuted. Their house will be destroyed. Their church will be destroyed. They will be worried about their family. And they, will, they are living under enormous pressure at this very moment. And just like in that no-name section of Hebrews, we don't know all their names either. So we learn something in Hebrews chapter 11, kind of contrary to our modern idea of faith. You see, faith in Jesus is not just so I can live a happier, more fulfilled life. And how to be more fulfilled. At the end of the day, that's not what faith in Jesus is actually about. Faith in Jesus is not what I can just trust God to get. I mean, certainly there are good things that we need to trust God for, not say, but that's not the essence of it. 
No, faith in Jesus is so I can grow in Christ and change and serve God sacrificially and love God and love my neighbor and serve him with all my heart. That's what faith in Jesus does. It changes me and it changes the way I look at the world and it, and it, it, it births and activates faith within me, faith that's willing to live for Jesus and not myself and willing to die for Jesus. We're just like they are. And I really believe that in our modern era in 2011, it is time that we pull back from the idea of faith being primarily things we can get, even good things, but that's as the essence of faith, and begin to look at faith more in terms of who you can become. For an American Christian, that would be a huge paradigm shift. Did you get that? Let's shift from just how we can make it different to God make me different. Because if you just make it different, I'm just going to want more for myself. Not all bad, mind you. But if you make me different, I want more for you. And I'll live more for you. Let me conclude. So, so basically a messed up person, even today, a sinner, when he turns to God, becomes an amazing person who wants to live for God. Let me conclude by just looking at how verse 40 kind of brings it all together for us right here today. Verse 40 brings it home. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. What is that about? In other words, there's something lacking in the picture without us. It's called the, king, the trajectory of the kingdom of God that is coming that cannot be stopped. They are only a part of history. We are to learn about their repentance. We are to learn about their faith. And we too are to serve Jesus and be willing to die even for Jesus so that together it becomes that seamless garment of the covenant re realized in this world. That, that playing out of the grace of God, the kingdom of God on earth. That they need us like we need them for God's work to be complete. Basically, it means this, that Old and New Testament, both, ancient and now, the story, the kingdom, the unfolding of redemption history is going on right now. And tomorrow morning, should the Lord tarry, and what that means, folks, is this. Your time is now. Who do you want to be? Don't come to Hebrews 11 saying, I'll never be like one of those people. They're just so different from me. No, no. Who? You're just like they are. I'm just like they are. Who do you want to be in this story of grace let's pray together lord would you cause us to be bold in our prayers even now 
There are people here that are far from you and struggling. We all struggle, Lord. There are some people that think they're damaged goods because of their struggle. Would you convince them that they're not? And would you, even now, dare to trust the grace of God in such a way that you would repent, that you would turn from that sin that so easily entangles, chokes. Lord, you know what it is. You can fill in the blank. And I can't turn away from this without you. So I confess it to you. And I bring it to you. I repent of it and turn to you that times of refreshment might come from you. Lord, would you show me? Would you help me walk in that? Would you show me how to repent? Would you help me to believe in the gospel? But Lord, I pray that I wouldn't just believe in the gospel for repentance. I pray that you would take care of all the needs that I have out of your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. But Lord, would you make me different? Would you change me so that I would want to serve you more and me less? And Lord, would you bring alive again faith, not only in who I am in you, but what you might do through me in the lives of other people. Would you help me to minimize the barriers that I think are greater than they actually are because your grace is greater. And, oh, Lord, we pray that Highlands, that this church also would be rooted in that story, rooted in that free grace, rooted in repentance to you and to one another. Would you change us, God, that we might go forward according to your will and even do great and mighty things in your name. And we pray, thank you, Lord, that you never let us go. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.